grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to the show. Afternoon show for me. Our, hopefully our guest signs in from the UK today. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I should be your, one way or another, I'll be your host for an hour. Um, <clears throat> I'm from Sacramento, California, the, and also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. However, we work up and down the state of California, Washington, Oregon, and Washington. Um, in the state of California, we're 35 strong. And uh, we work as a nonprofit team to help people when they think they have paranormal stuff going on in their homes. Uh, you can visit our website at www.californiahaunts.org. And if you're interested in seeing more of our radio shows, the best way to do that would be to visit the radio show website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Uh, today's guest, Charles Christian, is a author from the UK. Hang on one second. Okay. <sighs> Allergies. Is an author from the UK, and he has some interesting stories to tell. He, he studies uh, British folklore, uh, UK folklore in general, you know, Scotland, all over the UK. And one of the topics we're supposed to talk about today is the fact that one of the UK papers had asked him to go on a werewolf hunt to look for werewolves. And he did, and he has the results of that. So we're excited to talk with him about that. Um, tomorrow's guest, we're going to go ahead and tease that ahead of time, is D.P. Greycastle, Gray and he has done some research on numbers and colors and how they correspond with your name and kind of control your destiny. So he's going to be on tomorrow. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? Fine, 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 fine. I say just getting um, used to, obviously we're eight hours time difference, just getting used <laughs> to the uh, to the winter coming in and the dark nights starting and uh, the days catching me out. And, it seems uh, weird for us because, you know, like around Halloween time here, we always turn the clock, you know, we, 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 we do that clock thing. Yeah. But it seems like now it's strange because we're going into the end of September and it's getting dark at 7 p.m. Yeah. So it kind of throws us off because I don't think a lot of people here are used to that. Yeah, no, it's 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 strange. It seems to have been getting a bit darker earlier this year compared with um, with last year. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's really strange. Really, really strange. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, I say it's um, part of it is uh, getting myself accommodate uh, uh, remembering that i've got shorter days and not trying to go off and do something and suddenly discovering no i can't do that because it's done <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's happening to me because usually after i do my show i would go out and meditate in the, you know in the yard yeah and normally you know i do my show from 6 30 to 7 30 in the evening and so by the mm -hmm. time i go out it's pitch black and depending because the days are shorter because all my lights run on solar yeah Right. So the stuff that's pointing to the West isn't getting as much juice as it usually is. So by the time I get out there at eight o'clock, it's almost out. Yeah. So I have no light. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a strange thing. And the other, the other point um, that's 
always thing to to bear in mind, particularly when I'm talking to anybody in the United States, is your shift to daylight saving time is a week after our shift. Mm -hmm. So we have this strange period where uh, if you're not careful, you end up missing each other for an hour when you're making right. calls and things. Plus this year it's a week this year it's like a week later. For us, because usually yeah. we shift right around uh, right around October thirty first. Halloween is usually that first week is when it's it's pitch black outside, you know, by by seven yeah. o'clock. But this time they're not doing it till November. No idea. I think we yeah. are. I think we go Halloween about. The, yeah. See, the, you're going to be a week 30, ahead of us. Thirty first is all of it. Yeah, you'll be a week ahead of us, and then we're going to do it. We're going to do it like November eighth this time. It's yeah, for a whole we, week, we always so. do it on a Saturday night to Sunday night. Yeah, I mean a Saturday night to Sunday morning. Yeah, um, presumably on the basis that um, uh, nobody's going to work on a Sunday, so it's not so bad if you're asleep. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. Not really, not really the case. Not really the case in the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time you were on, we talked about a lot of stuff. But yeah. what was interesting that what we didn't talk about was you went hunting for werewolves. I did indeed. I did indeed, yeah. So um, tell me about that. Right. Well, I wrote a book about uh, the folklore of uh, a part of the north of England. And it's interesting because uh, werewolves aren't part of the normal um, folklore of England. Um there's one or two werewolf tales from Scotland, and there's masses of them in um, continental Europe and further afield, and obviously um, in North America with the Native American traditions and things. Mm -hmm. But they're very, very rare, actually, in England in sort of historical times. And there's only one I know of, and it happened to be lurking at a place not very far from where I grew up. And so I was familiar with all the tales. And when I wrote the book about that area, I talked about this werewolf and it was known as Old Stinker because it had a putrid breath because it was eating carrion and you know dead flesh Ew. and things like that. So look, had, had appalling breath. And it was described as being, you know, walking on its hind legs and being very tall and having a powerful tail that could knock people over and having these bright orangey red eyes. And um, I say it, it was historical because the area where this wolf was supposed to haunt was known in historical times to be plagued with wolves, particularly in winter. They'd come off the hills down into the farmland in the valley. And there was actually a hostel built there in um, Saxon times, you know, 900 uh, AD, 1000 AD, um, specifically so that people going through there would not be, and the, the quote is, um, so they wouldn't be eaten by wolves. So, uh, you know, they had this hostel there. So if you were traveling on the road, you'd go there at night and be safe. Um, and there were one of two tales of the werewolf cropping up again in 
later times, but then it faded out mm -hmm. until it was the uh, summer of 2015. And there were reports in a city called Hull, which is only about 30 miles in a straight line from where the old werewolf used to be. There were people saying that they'd heard that there was, you know, saying they'd seen this huge dog-like, wolf-like creature attacking other animals and lurking around there. And um, they thought it was a werewolf. And a local journalist who knew I'd written the book asked me mm -hmm. about it. And I rather jokingly said, looks like old stinkers come back from the undead and oh. he's changed his, haunt, his uh, hunting grounds. Anyway, it became a bit of a internet five-day wonder and everybody got very carried away with it and there were uh, sightings all over the place. And eventually I got asked by a local newspaper, by a national newspaper, to go down there and on a werewolf hunt on the night of a full moon. And so I went. And um, as I sort of put in my biography, um, I didn't find anything. It, maybe I was lucky and it didn't find me. But huh. uh, so I went on 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 a midnight werewolf hunt, and um, I say it was it was very spooky, very interesting. You know the um, the we had photographers there, so they originally they they set us up for a photo shoot in a graveyard, an abandoned graveyard at midnight, which was spooky in its own way. <laughs> and the area where the wolf is said to haunt is um, along an old canal, which is, because it's had a lot of pollution in and still gets a bit of pollution in it, it tends to be warmer water. So on an evening, there's a mist around it. So it looks, looks the part. It looks spooky when you're going down there. And um, so we went down there looking for the werewolf. Not quite sure what we'd do if we actually encountered a real a real mm -hmm. werewolf. Um, but I, I had a suspicion that if it was anything, it was going to be an actual big dog that was running mm -hmm. loose. So I had a, a very heavy, stout stick with me <laughs> with, with a sharp point on the other end. Um, and obviously a point to bear in mind is that the... Um, rules on firearms in the possession of firearms in the UK are very, very strict. So uh, go, going out with guns full of silver bullets just wasn't an option. You know, couldn't have done that even if you'd wanted to. Well, think so, of it that anyway. way. You know what? The stick had a vice point on the end. Now, if, now if you'd run or do a vampire, you would have been fine too. Well, exactly, exactly. See? You were you know, set. It was, it was a multi-purpose, <laughs> multi-purpose demon slaying stick. Um, and um, so I say, I, I went along there and we walked the length of this long, spooky canal. And there were the hedges and people had said something had been running down the banks of, of this canal. The, 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 all, all the shrubbery was crushed as if something big had been running around it. But it, you know, could be a mundane explanation for it. But then um, 
almost as we were going to pack it in for the night, um, we spotted on the other side of a bank. Um, I had a something looking at us. I had a strong torch with me, so I shone. And lo and behold, two large orange eyes were staring back at me. Whoa. Which, of course, orange eyes are what the creatures got. And you could tell by the distance the eyes were apart. It mm -hmm. was big. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a fox or some sort of, um, you know, relatively small feral creature. And rather more spookily, whereas if you disturb a wild animal with a light or something, it will usually duck and run away from you. This mm -hmm. one was actually keeping pace with us on the other side of the bank and walking along with us. So as we moved to our left, it was moving to its right and sort of keeping a parallel to us. So I was a little bit worried and um, we were quite concerned, but this encounter lasted for about five minutes and then it ducked down and disappeared. And I say, uh, I think it was a large feral dog. Um, there's yeah. plenty of places around there where they could scavenge. And um, we've had a problem in the UK with people buying exotic pets, great big dogs like huskies and, you know, fighting type dogs, which mm -hmm. they then discover cost a fortune to feed and kept keep and need a huge amount of um, exercise if they're not going to eat your house out of boredom and so a lot of them get let loose and you know dropped off somewhere abandoned and I suspect that was what the um, what we what I was encountering it mm -hmm. was a creature out on the lamb if you like um, and um, we'd, we'd, we'd spotted it so I say it was um, it, it was intriguing because it wasn't a case of not seeing anything. Because I have to say, right. I don't believe a sort of shape-shifting uh, werewolf is a real thing. Just the sheer physics involved in mm -hmm. a human turning into a wolf. You know, they've got entirely different bone structures, leg structures, ribs, heart jaws wolves have more teeth than us and things uh, and then going back again you know you you, you defy you know something physical uh i just don't believe could exist but on the other hand i was relieved that we did actually see something and it was <laughs> definitely a big scary furry animal of some sort so um i was happy with that interesting you know i was just thinking about some people like to get wolf hybrids too for pets yeah, and then they realize yeah. they can't handle them, and they're like they're like ten times bigger than the German Shepherd. So I mean, they're huge. Yeah, we do, we don't have those over here. I think they're you know they they wouldn't get in, um, be imported. But we right. do have um, Malmutes, which are a type of husky. <laughs> and yeah. I did read somewhere that when you see a movie, and somebody's been hunted by down by wolves it's usually malmutes that have be uh, that are playing the wolves for the part of the movie um that you know that can be trained and so it could be something like a malmute or a husky 
today, both of which are big, big animals. Both can stand on the hind legs and both are not pets you really want because they right. need a huge amount of exercise and they eat a huge amount. And, I was um, thinking when you were talking about the bone structure, that movie, um, American Werewolf in London, mm -hmm. the special yeah. effects for that, when the guy is turning into the wolf, they even make his bones crack, the sound of the bones cracking yes. as, as, yes. as as he's changing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I was speaking to a person a few weeks ago who she's an anatomist. She teaches anatomy at a medical school in Edinburgh and mm -hmm. as part of the way of getting their students to be interested they set them questions and things they've looked at are could werewolves actually exist and you know she was explaining about the fact that the entire body cavity is different because a wolf runs on four legs whereas we stand on two so all our organs are in a different place plus I say the extra teeth and the jaws and mm -hmm. all the other things um interestingly she also um sets students you know discuss why zombies can't exist or how they could exist you know the the the, the features of could you actually walk around if you were dead and so on so um i had a long long conversation with her about uh, werewolves and i say she's very much of the impression that if a werewolf exists the sort that we have in folklore it must be some kind of elemental, spiritual, metaphysical thing rather than an actual creature because, oh, they also have different DNA and um, different chromosomes and, you know, it, it would be such a huge, complicated job to be flicking mm -hmm. backwards and forwards. That would That's defy true. medical knowledge, but it could be if it wasn't a, a creature of flesh and blood, but something else, then obviously those rules don't apply. Anyway, what, that was that was my think, tale. Why do you think people like a good story like that? Ooh. Well, we like being scared, don't we? we you know, it's like um like ghost stories. Um I, I mean I'm not a fan of visceral horror like you know friday the 13th and all those mm -hmm. um movies like that they're a bit too gory for me I, I don't really like that side of stuff but i do like a nice i do like a nice supernatural horror story and um with ghosts and ghoulies and things like that and um i th i think it's It's, it's that sort of, uh, it must go back to when we were cavemen living in our caves and nighttime was the frightening time because, you know, all we could do is hide in our caves and hope that the creatures of the night, um, wolves, bears, um, saber-toothed tigers, all the other predators that were around when early man was around, were prowling outside, you know, hoping, you know, Please don't let them find our cave and come and eat us. And I don't know whether it's something in the back of the brain that just likes this sort of bit of a fright. And because mm -hmm. I mean, it's that thing with ghost stories as well that um, 
you don't really enjoy them if you're reading them on a bright sunny day. They don't have the same effect. It's something to read at night, you know, late at night and it's dark and maybe the wind's blowing outside. And you're all inside and comfortable and, mm -hmm. and safe. And these dangers are on the outside and they, they're there. And I think it's, I say, I think it's something primitive. But I mean, people have been telling ghost stories, versions of vampire stories, versions of werewolf stories for thousands of years. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not something that sprung up in the 1930s when the first movies, uh, you know, uh, the first horror movies started coming out. You know, Bela Lugosi's Frankenstein right. and, you know, Dracula and the, the Wolfman type thing. It's, it's something ancient and I think it's, it's it, you know it's it's something in our psyche likes likes the excitement and the thrill and the fact that it's not happening to us it's happening to other people true that's true so the werewolves aren't the only weird creature r running around the british isles is it no well i mean obviously the most famous weird mm -hmm. creature is nessie the loch ness monster which up in scotland which is um depending on what you want you know again there's there's tales of it going back hundreds of years i mean most of the interest in the in it's been since the 1930s when the famous photographs were taken they called the surgeons photographs it was a surgeon who took them although it's now suggested it was a hoax mm -hmm. but there are tales going back to the middle ages thousand years of creatures living in not just loch ness but some of the other locks around there um and uh off the coast of you know sea monsters of some form and again sea monsters are part of a tradition mariners have had again for hundreds and hundreds of years this idea that there's um there's big frightening creatures out there at sea and um you know we're discovering some things i mean like for a long time we all thought that tales of giant um squid or octopuses and things like the kraken um were fiction but now scientists are fishing out discovering these giant squid that live in the depths of the ocean and just how big they are mm -hmm. um so you know there's one creature that everybody thought was a fiction and uh you know squids are never that big oh yes they are uh what else is out there you know there's there's a huge amount of ocean out there um some of the sea that locks in scotland and often they have links through to the ocean mm -hmm. um they are very very deep and very, very long. Loch Ness is a, a very long, deep uh, body of water. So you're not going to be able to um, adequately um, survey the whole area to find out what's there. Never mind looking at what is out there in the ocean. And, um, you know, who knows what other things are out there? I mean, um, a classic example is the celiacanth, which is a sort of armoured fish, which again was thought to 
known from the fossil record to have been around millions of years ago, but assumed had become extinct. And mm -hmm. um, people fished out real life examples of them and they're still being caught. So they still exist. So that's a creature that apparently hid from people for the best part of several million years. Um, who else? What else is out there that we we don't know about? You know, could could some of the things you know a plesiosaur is often mentioned as the most popular candidate yes. for um, Loch Ness or you know or sea monsters, um, but you know did they die out with the dinosaurs? Um, did they evolve? I mean, it's now accepted that birds evolved from the dinosaurs well maybe other creatures evolved from the dinosaurs didn't become extinct mm -hmm. um when the if you accept the theory that dinosaurs became extinct when the asteroid came down off mexico um what is it 60 70 million years ago um it wiped out everything on land but there's areas of the oceans that would have been unaffected you know, mm -hmm. sharks have been around for millions of years. They they survived that. Um, crocodiles have been around for millions of years. They ex they they survived those mass extinction events. You know, what right. else is out there? You know, um, right. the Pacific Ocean is enormous, as we know, and um, very very deep. The Mariana um, Trench is what miles deep. It's it's huge. It's it, you know it, it, it's 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 what's what's down there you know right. so i think a lot of these things there are there's there's stuff out there that we don't know about yet um and um you know one day we'll discover it which is which is it's very exciting that some of these mysteries may be i seem to remember a photo and i think it was national geographic uh many many years ago um i don't know if it was taken by one of their photographers or Somebody had given it to them, but it was actually a, a large fin they had gotten underwater in Loch Ness. Mm. But they didn't yeah. know what it belonged to. But it was a very it was a, it was a big fin, you know, that they got this photo of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That 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 there there has been stuff that's not been adequately explained, um, and. It's a bit like um, the situation with UFOs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the everybody says, "Oh, you know, it's not UFOs at all. It's um, weather balloons or mm -hmm. something of that nature." Well, yes, most of those, you know, you're looking at a, a planet and seeing it at an angle. Well, yes, a lot can be explained by that, um, but uh, there are still that small fraction that can't be explained. Mm -hmm. And I think with things of sightings of cryptids, if we, you know, call something like Loch Ness Monster a cryptid, mm -hmm. um, part of the you know, cryptozoology, um, you can you can explain some of the sightings as being logs, as being ripples on the water, um, the um, wake from a boat that's out of moved on, but there's still stuff that doesn't quite fit. And, um, you know, that, yeah, there are hoaxes out there, sadly, with um, a lot of these things. But 
there are also people who are totally honest and straightforward and they um they aren't the sort to make up stories they they believe what they saw and you know they they saw something and it was scary and it was big and it was in the water but they don't know what it is so um you know it it it's it's one of those mysteries see i can understand it though i mean like with the locks because we have lake tahoe over here mm -hmm. well come out 80 miles from where i'm at and we have our own Loch Ness. We we we, we have Tessie, Tahoe mm -hmm. Tessie, and mm -hmm. that that that's an extinct volcano. So you know that thing's got to be hecka deep. So mm -hmm. there's got to be caves and everything down there where where, where something could hide. Mm -hmm. So I can mm -hmm. understand it. They even had the university come. You know, uh, for years we're studying out there and they, they never found anything. But I mean, yeah. there's a lot of legends about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of lake monsters and. Um reportings across the whole of north america mm -hmm. um obviously some of them are you can say well it's just somebody jumping on the bandwagon you know we've mm -hmm. got to have a lake monster as well as everybody else does but um you get reports of lake monsters in um africa we'll gain some very huge, large lakes there you get them in um what i suppose would be the eastern part of Russia, Siberia, big lakes out there. Um, things have been reported over the years. Um, I, 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 I think there there is stuff out there, um, but we just don't know what it is. And one of the reasons why it survives is because it's very good at hiding. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's its survival strategy. Um, it it's it, it goes to ground, and you know I think a lot of these with the you know cryptids, um, there's an element of mysterious creatures in some of them um, that aren't adequately explained. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, there's that annoying ten percent, if you like, of of accounts that you can't just simply say, oh, well, you, you know, you, you simply um, misread the situation. It was just some log, you know, an old tree floating on the surface of the water with a branch sticking up mm -hmm. and your imagination got the better of you. And, um, you know, it, it's it's the same with all, all of these um, mysterious paranormal type um, encounters. Uh, there's that element of doubt that we can't say, put hand on heart and say, no, definitely doesn't exist. There's definitely nothing out there. We don't know. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And you yeah. can see it too. I mean, when the when everything was covered with water, you know, maybe when 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 the asteroids hit or whatever, you know, these creatures hit. They, they went down to their caves. They hit. The water receded. They came out. Now they're mm. landlocked in water, you know, mm. and yeah. then they're just there. Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely. I mean, again, you know, there's plenty of geological evidence you can find and maps of what the world looked like at different times through its history and the changing nature of the water levels. Um, I mean, the last ice age, 
um, in Northern Europe and Northern parts of North America was only 12,000 years ago. Um, before that, it was completely different. I mean, where I live, the UK was connected to Europe. Um, mm -hmm. The landmass was totally different. Um, it, it, you know, uh, so you get a dramatic change like that with water levels swapping and changing. Um, it, it completely tr transforms it and the species, you know, certain creatures are marooned outside their area and some of them survive and evolve and move on you know and um, i you know it's 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 not at all unreasonable that some strange creatures that you think shouldn't exist actually do exist because you know they've managed to survive since halloween's coming Mm -hmm. At least here, anyway. What are some of the more more scarier creatures or or, or stories out, out out of the UK? Well, um, we don't have that many scary creatures, I suppose. Okay. Um, I mean, there's an awful lot of tales of um, black dogs and black cats that are mm -hmm. supposedly too big to be natural species. With with some of those, a quite likely explanation is they are exotic pets that have escaped or been right. dropped off, and um, is enough of them that they've formed um, a viable population and can survive. Um, so we don't have many. We don't have much of a tradition of scary animals, I suppose. It's really, um, really ghosts that we like, and um, <laughs> you know the place is thick in them. There's ghosts everywhere. Yeah. Said, yeah. Um, you know, and um, I, I suppose that's the, the 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 scary thing. Though obviously Halloween has. Um, I mean, we were quite late in the UK getting into Halloween as a mm -hmm. as a. Um, a holiday um the big holiday for us always used to be november the 5th um bonfire night and um we'd have everybody had bonfires and let off fireworks and it's all to do with guy Fawkes, who was a guy a man who tried to blow up the houses of parliament with a giant bomb in the early 17th century but was captured and um it became um a, almost a state-sponsored celebration that uh, you know we, we 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 survived against anarchy and terrible conspirators and it was that was the big festival from 19th century through through middle of the 20th century and um then say halloween has started to take over we used to have a thing called mischief night which wasn't <laughs> halloween it was actually the day before bonfire night where we would go out and indulge in what 
as kids we thought was fun, but as adults, I can see, would be minor <laughs> acts of vandalism and um, public nuisance, uh, you know, chain, chaining people's gates together. Um, a favourite one when I was at my school was ordering taxes for unpopular teachers and <laughs> sometimes ordering them every quarter of an hour for all night to turn up there and just generally you know pranks of that nature mm -hmm. and um then that really faded away and um halloween took over as as it and obviously the key thing about ha uh, halloween is the trick or treating and the whole dressing up thing and um obviously again that's that's changed um used to be largely ghosts or witches that we dress up but now again you know we 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 very much follow the fashion for um fancy dress costumes and hiring spectacular costumes or making them um based on you know tv superheroes or whoever so it 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 has it has evolved that um Say so where where I am actually is 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 a rural area and there's nothing out here so we don't get any we don't get any trick or treating because um, uh, we live we live on a dark unlit spooky road uh, <laughs> with a with the with the rumor that just about two hundred yards up the road from us is a place called Misery Corner that's said to be haunted by uh, a woman who. Um, drowned herself or hanged herself there about 150 years ago um so uh most of the locals won't go there after dark anyway <laughs> that's funny um i was just thinking about the tower of london and the mm -hmm. legends that that are there yeah. with, with anne boleyn you know and stuff um do you think they're there i mean the, the ghosts that, that are there are probably there because of what went on you know what you know being beheaded and everything there um how frequent is she seen or is she or is she still is she not seen now she's not seen now but i mean anne boleyn is unusual because she's probably the most frequently sighted ghost in the country um she uh haunts the tower of london um that really got a boost in the 1930s when there was a song um, with her head tucked underneath the, uh, her arm. She walks the bloody tower, the bloody tower being one of the prison towers mm -hmm. in the Tower of London. And so that tended to boost it. But she haunts there. She haunts a house down in Kent where she grew up. Uh, she haunts a house in Norfolk, where I am, where she grew up um on the eve of her execution day day of her execution her ghost is said to drive up in a carriage with her sitting inside with her head holding her head in her hands um to uh you know returning home and her mm -hmm. father who was very unpopular he didn't get executed but he he gets a bad reputation because he basically didn't raise a finger to help either mm -hmm. Anne or her brother 
uh, he'd rather stay in with the with the king rather than stick with his children. And he is said in this part of the world that on the eve of his death, he has to um, ride in a coach and horses and cross 12 bridges in Norfolk between the hours of midnight and dawn. And it's physically impossible, certainly by horse and cart, to cross all those bridges within that time. And he's he's doomed to do that until he can um, cross the bridges. And until then, um, he's stuck on earth or in hell, and he'll never go to heaven. So you know, we, we, we've got a we've got a good strong Anne Boleyn haunting. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, going back to your earlier point about the Tower of London, um, it was a centre of government from the time uh, of the well, even even before the Normans, they built the current White Tower building. But there was a fort there um, for hundred years or so before, and it was the centre of government. It was the fort. It was the main prison. Um, important state prisoners were kept there. Um, even during the um, Second World War, um, mm -hmm. suspected spies were kept in the Tower of London um, and detained there. And so there's been a lot of people who've been there and a lot of people who've been executed there and a lot of people who also were tortured before they were executed there. So, you know, if you go for that idea that um, a lot of ghosts are kind of residual um, influence almost ingrained in the stonework where mm -hmm. it was so traumatic. Well, that place is, you know, dripping in blood. And it's not surprising that there are so many tales of um, ghosts from there. I was thinking, thinking back, I think one of the last um, reported sightings of Anne Boleyn was during the 1940s during the second world war again and um a soldier apparently deserted his post because uh because the ghost came towards him well <laughs> what do you think is one of the most haunted places in the uk Ooh, well the single most must as i've said was would be the tower right um There's a small village, I'll have to look its name up, in Kent, which is said to have more ghosts than anywhere else. But I think that is really its sort of modern folklore. And mm -hmm. it's taken off and is now um, very popular with um, ghost hunters and ghost walks to the point that people are the, the locals are complaining that there's so many people marching around their village looking for ghosts and things um but it's hard to say whether or not they're real ghosts or um whether you know it's it's as a result of being in books and in folklore right. and on television and carried on um right. Bor borley rectory 
which is now burned down, that had a reputation for being haunted, and that was the subject of a lot of ghost hunts in the um, first half of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, there were supposedly ghosts of walled-up nuns, um, other people who died there, definitely had some strange, mysterious things going on there. Um, and, but interestingly, it seemed to attract a lot of visitors who themselves possibly weren't quite as clear thinking as they should be and had their own theories and ideas they wanted to push. And that burned down again mm -hmm. in somewhat mysterious circumstances, though could well have been um, quite simply in um, somebody doing it for the insurance because the house had such a bad reputation, no one would rent it. And um, so the easiest way to get rid of it was to burn it down and um, start from scratch. But Borley Rectory um, and Harry Price, who was famous ghost hunter of the mm -hmm. 1930s, 1940s, 1950s in England, he did a lot of work investigating it. That's probably the most, after the tower, is probably the best known one. But again, well, it's a bit it's a bit historical because it's now burned down and there's there's been no activity there now for right, right. many years because it's you know the, the the site's completely transformed and derelict. Have you heard of the stories of Fivey Castle? Fivey. Um, can't place it off the top of my head. Is that in Scotland? Yes, yeah, in Scotland. That's nope. the one that's supposed to have the the, the, the elemental down in the um, um, like basement area. Hmm. Not familiar with that one. Okay, that's cool. Um, that's cool. There's Glam's Castle, which uh -huh. the current Queen of England's mother grew up grew up in. The, um, her family owned it, and that's got a very bad reputation. Um, it's said to be some parts of lot, multiple ghosts, including um, people who were murdered there and betrayed there. And it's got this quite elaborate story that one of the family was born deformed, but horrendously deformed. So was kept in a locked room that no one other than the head of the family and the eldest son knew and was kept there and lived for a long time. And um, it was supposedly when the heir, if you like, the, the, the son of the laird of the castle, um, mm -hmm came of age he'd be taken down to this room and say you know that that person there because apparently lived a very long time that is the true laird of um lord if you like of mm -hmm. glam's castle just remember that and there was a there was an incident where there was a big party there and people decided <clears throat> they would try and find where this room was 
And so they all agreed to hang a handkerchief, go into all the rooms and hang a handkerchief or a scarf out of each window. And if they could find a window where there wasn't a scarf hanging from, then that would be the um, hit missing room. And then they could pin down where it was. Okay. And apparently they were doing that. And then the um, the Lord of or Scottish call it a laird. discovered what they were doing and made them stop. And um, <coughs> so that sort of rather fueled the, 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 the story that there was something terrible lurking there. All it takes is one person to tell a story and then another person takes that story, embellishes yeah. it, and it just goes on and on and on and on to, to where it gets to where we're at now, listening to these stories and what, you know, and they're wonderful stories, but 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 you wonder uh, whether, you know, how, how much is truth and how much is legend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with something like that, mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that one of the family was born with yes. horrendous defects of some sort, which... Um, you know, 100, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, people would not have understood. They would have seen it as some kind of curse or, you know, uh, something of that nature. Uh, and they would have kept it secret. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of builds up from there. Um, you know, that I mean, where we are... Maybe somebody didn't like us talking about them or something, you know? Well, exactly. But I was, I was saying, um, <laughs> near this part of the world and in other coastal areas, uh, there used to be smuggling in the 18th century. And the smugglers were known to spread tales of ghosts and um, boogeymen, things that you wouldn't want to see, because, uh, you know, they'd, they'd spread a tale and uh, saying you know that wood over there that's haunted by somebody or other mm -hmm. and so people the locals would steer clear of it so it'd be a nice useful way for the smugglers to bring their contraband in and go through that wood and um get keep on with their activities without anybody um interfering with them so um i say that that the, the, pe pe people have reasons for for for, for, for starting rumors like that mm -hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we had a, a very gory phase in English history during the 18th century and the first part of the 19th century, where um, it was called the bloody code because there were so many crimes that you could be executed for. And... Um, one of the punishments for murder was that once you'd been hanged, you'd be then hanged in chains, which is basically an iron cage. Mm -hmm. So your dead body would be hung up on a uh, gibbet at the scene of the murder, as opposed to where you were executed, because they'd be executed in outside a court or wherever the prison was. Um, and these gibbets with dead people in some of them were there 20 30 40 plus years and 
you know, creaking in the wind and uh, distinctly very spooky. So you'd avoid that. And I say, I do know that one area around here where there was such a gibbet, the <laughs> smugglers used it as one of their lairs because they knew nobody would be going around there. And um, mm -hmm. if they did, they'd just go into the local pub and tell people who oh, I saw the I saw the, saw the ghost of old old Toby. He's he's walking again, and um, you, you'd keep people away. You know, it's, um, the British people love their ghosts. Mm. We do, we do. It's 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 um, and and um, I don't know whether it's like that in the. Um, United States, but certainly um, a ghost tale at Christmas. I mean, Charles Dickens has a lot for that mm -hmm. with um, uh, Christmas Carol and some of his other stories, um, ghost stories he wrote around the Christmas season. And that very much sort of has been a tradition for now, well, since mid-Victorian times, so, mm -hmm. you know, 150 plus years that Christmas is a time for for ghost stories and um, you know gathering around a fire and telling tales and cracking nuts cooking nuts on the open fire and then you know telling stories and um, certainly the, I, I grew up in a household where we used to do that over Christmas and it was probably what got me so fascinated with the weird and things in the first place but you know it was it was it was a tradition and um the, the, the christmas ghost story so it it's it's kept along and um you know it's it, it's 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 still part of our i suppose still part of our culture absolutely speaking of culture um how about leprechauns let's talk about those we didn't talk about those last time mm. well i mean leprechauns are irish Mm -hmm. as opposed to British. Right. Um, and they are, again, you know, the, the, there's this whole culture of, you know, we know about fairies and elves, but there's all these other little creatures, elementals, goblins, hobgoblins, um, and things that are... Uh, Dwarves uh, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, mm -hmm. um, gnomes and things, all vaguely human but smaller. And um, I'm not sure where the actual leprechaun comes from, but the Irish do have a big tradition here for fairy folk, and they believe that the people who used to occupy Ireland before humans came along were these kind of supernatural beings the um anybody irish will curse me for it but it's something like <laughs> tiana dan or something like that the, the name right. of them but there there were um you know supernatural beings uh who lived there and that they still exist there in out of sight now you know like like a lot of the tales they they avoid humans now and urbanization 
But I mean, the leprechaun's um, an intriguing little character, and um, it's another of those where you never encounter female ones. Uh, it's always they're always always men. Um, you sort of wonder quite how they manage to survive or go on. But um, mm -hmm. they're 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 said to be. If you can grab hold of one, um, they will show you where their gold is hidden. But again, like a lot of legends about people like that, there's always a trick. And if you ask them a question or you ask for a wish, a bit like with genies, you've got to be very careful what you wish for because they will do it the wrong way. If they can, or they would do it in a mischievous way, mm -hmm. and um, they're also, um, yeah. They, the, the legend is that they they actually are the cobblers for fairies, and that the fairies who do the fairy dancing and dance around their mushrooms and their um, fairy circles, sort of um, a. Uh, uh, they dance all night that they wear their shoes out and uh, wear holes in their shoes. So they take them to leprechauns who, um, you know, are, are some kind of fairy folk. But I say they're all said to have a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but they will trick you if you catch them or try and tell you where it is. I mean, the, the whole, you know, my gold's buried at the pot at the end of the rainbow is the whole thing that if you try and follow a rainbow, it's always moving until it fades away. You never actually get to the bottom of it. So um, um, they're, 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 they're an intriguing one. Um, like, like a lot of these, the, the reputation is that they aren't necessarily hostile to humans mm -hmm. but, and will tolerate us, but they like having fun with us. You know, and I suppose... You know, if you accept that the likes of fairies and elves once were more common, um, I suppose it's they resent the fact that they've been driven away by humans who build houses and roads everywhere and um, mm -hmm. change the landscape and change their settled worlds. But I say, yeah, they, 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 they um, so funnily enough, we don't, we don't have any um, leprechauns in england it's it, it is purely an irish um, see it's a big deal over here you know saint patrick's day comes and that's all we see over here is le leprechauns plastered everywhere you know and, mm, and mm. i remember in, in elementary school uh, the teacher would tell the story of duffy o'reilly and he'd be running around the school and if you found him you got a big big packet of chocolate and all this and and it's just it's, it's it, they've turned it into a big deal here mm. well i mean north america does have the u.s does have a huge Irish population. I mean, the mm -hmm. population of Ireland proper is very small um, and it's got a huge expatriate population who largely expatriate because they didn't like the English when um, Ireland was a, a British colony. And so they... Uh, they moved away and they took their traditions and their folklore with them. And, um, you know, the, 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 the wearing of the green of, and the, uh, the leprechaun in the green, that's 
actually quite a recent development and mm -hmm. reflects Irish nationalism when green became the um, the colour of Irish nationalists. You know, people wanting to get rid get the English out. Um, before that, they they wore entirely different clothes, but um, you know they, they, that 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 followed on. Let's talk about Christmas. Let's talk about Father Christmas versus what the United States thinks of Santa Claus. Mm. What is Father Christmas over over the pond? Mm. Um, Father Christmas over the pond. Yeah, um, Santa Claus. I mean, we 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 call them Father Christmas, Santa Claus, and Saint Nicholas. But they're actually three different, um, okay. three, three, three different traditions. Saint Saint, um, Saint Nicholas is very much more a European character and um, following the um, largely Catholic countries and they all have the same traits you know they all wear red with red gowns with white trimmings on them mm -hmm. saint nicholas also is a bishop and has a bishop's hat and he um he actually turns up in some parts of europe on the 6th of december which is saint nicholas's day i think feast of saint nicholas um and gives the presents out there but again christmas day is now such a bit like Halloween. It's such an international thing that people still celebrate the 25th. Um, we tend to go for Father Christmas and Father Christmas is more like, again, going back to Dickens with um, his uh, Christmas Carol and the first ghost that comes along is the ghost of Christmas past I think or the second ghost that comes along is the ghost of Christmas past who mm -hmm. is the big jovial fellow who looks like a druid in a big dressing gown and is all for having parties and remembering the good old days when everything was jolly and the Father Christmas we have really follows more of that tradition that is a, 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 a big, jolly fellow um, with this big, long red gown, um, the huge, big, long white beard. And he's more about the spirit of Christmas. Um, I suppose that's that's the the difference. Where Saint Nicholas is a, sorry, Santa Claus is a little bit smaller, more elfy. You know, the the Father Christmas um, of tradition doesn't have all the elves and helpers. But mm -hmm. because we live in a multicultural world, all the different influences come to play. So um, we we might call him Father Christmas, but he. He he has his elves and he um, has his reindeer and he has um, Rudolph and he has Donner and Blitzen and all the other ones. So um, it's 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 a it's a bit of a a hybrid now where we have a bit of all of them. Uh, the thing we don't have in England, 
and I don't think you have it over there that it's big in Europe is the fact that um, St. Nicholas also has a helper who is his dark side and um, very much um, St. Nicholas or Santa Claus gives presents to all the children who've been good mm -hmm. but he has a um an imp with him or a demon um various different names um for him um i'm just trying to remember one there's, there's a, the, the, the scandinavia have a very very scary version of it with huge horns and fangs and things um and his his role is to punish the naughty children and um either by giving them horrible presents or generally being horrible to them and in some versions he drags them off puts them in a basket and takes them home and eats them so Whoa. um <laughs> it, you know the, 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 there's there's different traditions to do, to do with it and that'll so, keep them in line <laughs> yeah yeah the, but you know it's it's one that we've we don't really have that um the i'm just oh, just scratching my brain to try and remind me what the name of the um creature is i know who you're talking i know who you're talking about i can't remember either off the top of my head yeah um i know there's an and the trauma people can buy where he's holding up two children by their by their feet <laughs> that's the one yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i forget who it is yeah <laughs> ah the brain's gone terrible um i can't remember off the... they even have parades featuring that thing you know yeah. <laughs> it's really scary <laughs> yeah yeah um you can find on youtube some old um news stories from uh, the 1930s and things and there's one of them where um saint nicholas comes to the village and everybody greets him and then he brings out this vampire-like demon with him who sort of chases all the naughty children and <laughs> you can tell the kids are actually terrified by this creature <laughs> but um oh what was his name what was his yeah, name i can't think of it that's funny what are the traditions yeah. i mean what's the different i mean i know united states kids will you know christmas eve there's always a christmas eve meal here um sometimes they'll they'll like recite the night before christmas kids put out reindeer you know put, they put out carrots or veggies for the reindeer and cookies is there a difference in what the kids do the night before in the uk no um we still do broadly the same mm -hmm. um hang up a stocking or a sack sure. or something for the presents either on the mantelpiece or at the bottom of your bed um and we uh, leave out a drink and some food for Santa Claus. Um, we used to, yeah, some people left out carrots as well for the reindeer. Mm -hmm. um, but 
uh, where I when I grew up, we used to leave a mince pie, and this that's sort of um, a sweet um, currants and raisins type little pie. Um, leave a couple of mince pies for Santa Claus at the bottom of the fireplace, and a glass of sherry, which we we know we know a glass of alcoholic drink. Um, so that 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 was the tradition we had that we we did it, and I do remember thinking that you know he's going to be drunk in charge of a sleigh. <laughs> he goes around every house and has that. Um, but that that was the. But that's the rosy cheeks. That's the rosy cheeks. <laughs> that's yeah, the rosy yeah. cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, that 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 was that that was the tradition on. Uh, Christmas Eve and obviously that you had to be in bed and asleep otherwise he wouldn't come um, and uh, I remember sort of lying in bed hearing footsteps and things and you know part of the brain was saying it's just your parents going about but mm -hmm. the other part said what if it's Santa Claus so you sort of hide under the bedding and your eyes eyes tightly shut <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't see him he can't see you and you're you're not going to be deprived of your presence. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It is always wonderful to have you on. There's just so much to talk about with you. So much. Well, thank you. That was brilliant. I, I, I love talking to you. And I say, just racking my head now to try and remember the name of those. That thing. <laughs> the, the things. Yes, the thing. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's actually spreading and, um, you know, coming over from Europe, we're getting more of it. And I think you, as you mentioned, you, you get it in them. Um, well, of course, the people in the U.S. like it because it's evil. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. That, to them, that's, that, that's awesome. <laughs> that's how yeah. we are over here. Um, yeah, well, it's another yeah. excuse for, 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 for fancy dress and dressing up. So it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, thank you. Again, I'd love to have you on again at some point down the line. Yep. Yep, because definitely. it's so fun to talk to you and talk to you about different legends and stuff. I just love it. It's just it's so fun. No, it's my pleasure. I, I adore you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, how do people no, reach you. you? How can they contact you before I forget? Um, if they want to contact me, um, my website is Urban Fantasist. So it's like Urban Fantasy, but it's Fantasist. And okay. UrbanFantasist.com has got me. And you can also find me on Twitter there and social media and everything. Urban fantasist. Right, thank you. Like said, but thank you so much. Okay, then. Thank you. Take care. You of have yourself. a good one, sir. Until the next time. Okay, okay till the next time. All right. Yep. Bye bye. Bye now. Okay. It is so fun to have him on. And again, we're, we're going to get him back on again because, man, there's just, there's so many legends to talk to, to talk about. And I, and there's so much I want to touch on, you know, and I, I just love talking to him. Anyway, thanks for coming, you guys. Today was an early show because he is in the UK. Tomorrow we're back on our usual time at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. And we've got an interesting show. Uh, DP Greycastle is going to be on. And he has done studies kind of like, I don't want to say astrology, but it's kind of like the like, like a numbers astrology thing where he goes through the letters of your name and he associates your letters with different colors. And once he does that, he's able to to put it together with with what goes on in your life and how and how your life's going to go, your future, your current life, whatever. But that's what he does. And it's very interesting. He did mine and it was spot on. So I thought that was really fascinating. So I wanted to get him on. And so he'll be on tomorrow at 630. It's going to be a phone-in interview, just to let you know.
but uh, he's going to be on, and um, he said he would do numbers for people I know, so maybe one of my loyal listeners who comes on can get their numbers done. So we're going to see if we can do that to get their numbers done live, and we'll see what we can do about that. But uh, anyway, that's what's going to happen tomorrow, and so I will see you guys at 6.30. And I forgot to have uh, our... uh, Gentlemen, give his contact information, <laughs> but you can go ahead and Google him, Charles Christian, author Charles Christian, and you'll find all his books and everything. Because I forgot to do his contact. I'm such a such, uh, such a dit sometimes. But anyway, thank you guys for coming, and um, I will see you guys tomorrow. But if you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. The numbers are going up. You guys are doing a great job doing that, and I really appreciate it. But we still want more and more and more. It's like anything else. The more we get, the the more, the more people hear about us. Um, another thing that happens is that this is, my, my team is nonprofit, and all the expenses for this radio show and other stuff for my team comes out of my pocket. And uh, things being what they are, you know, it gets expensive after a while. If you might find it in your heart, I have a ticker flashing across the bottom of the screen. If you might find it in your heart to donate a little bit, five ten dollars, that would be great. PayPal.me at California Haunts. That would be terrific. And I'm going to put give you some insider stuff. We're going to start uh, working with, with Podnob and doing a crowdfunding program to where you guys can donate. If you're, if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, you'll be able to maybe donate some funds directly through through, through a, ca- a crowdfunding situation. Um, YouTube. It's another issue for us in that we don't have enough subscribers on YouTube to have a dedicated Euro, you know, a de- dedicated address. So the only way to find us is on YouTube is you have to go to our website at www.CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and click on the video there and it will take you into YouTube. And then you can go ahead and subscribe because uh, we need a lot. We need a few more subscribers so that we can get our dedicated address. So that would be great if you could do that. Um, it's just a YouTube thing. And uh, yeah, it was kind of fun talking with Charles. I'm trying to find my little, there it is. All right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow.